Uh, welcome and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Jane Irrigation Training Series. I'm your host, Richard Rastusha, and today we're going to be talking about um, some simple and not always minor, uh, but uh, simple uh, fixes and adjustments you can make to your irrigation systems that are going to save you a significant amount of water. And what is significant these days, you know, I'm always thinking in that 25 to 30% range. Uh, sometimes, depending on the problem or the issue, it could be a lot more than that. But uh, uh, And I find that uh, simple observation of your irrigation system, actually turning it on, observing what's going on, and understanding what you're looking for is uh, almost one of the best things we can do for our systems. So uh, to help us learn what to look for when we're doing our manual water checks or our wet checks on our system, uh, we have uh, Danny Martinez today. Now, Danny is the technical sales and training manager for ET Water and Jane Irrigation for Southern California. You know, Danny is a young looking guy, but he's been in this business for 17 years. And uh, one thing's for sure, he is out there every day. Uh, living, experiencing, and working in the irrigation industry. So uh, if you want to talk about smart controllers, Danny has uh, really a comprehensive uh, amount of knowledge on how they work, why they work well, and how to program. But also he's got all the basics of uh, uh, basic um, uh, irrigation systems, uh, hydraulics, programming. He's really a super resource. I'm so thankful he's here today. So Danny, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Richard, thanks for having me. Yeah, so Danny, is this true? We can really learn some things that are simple and uh, most importantly, inexpensive uh, when we look at our irrigation systems to save a ton of water? Yes, absolutely. You know, there's devices out there that can help us achieve a, a lot of savings in water, but uh, there's a lot of things we can also do with what we may already have existing in our irrigation system. Yeah, so um, so that's a little bit of what you're going to talk about today. Is this uh, is this really what uh, what we're going to learn? Yeah, definitely. We can uh, run through uh, some of these uh, components here of the irrigation system. How to identify when you have a problem? You know, maybe catch it a little earlier than than later when it becomes a major uh, leak or issue. Yeah, I think we've all had that experience where we've uh, had uh, ourselves or a customer that's had a major leak that's been really close to a drain, <laughs> and uh, as a result, a really high bill uh, over uh, a relatively short period of time because you couldn't really see the effects of that uh, that leak. Correct. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the major things uh, we want to look at here today is, is catching that. Um, if you're anywhere in Southern California, Nevada, or West Coast out here, uh, one of the major topics is uh, the drought, right? It's an uh, irrigation uh, um, industry has always kind of stepped up, you know, and done our part. Well, that's for sure. In fact, um, you know, uh, we may not use the majority of water in California, but certainly the uh, landscape industry, the green industry is one of the first industries to step forward and say, what can we do to help? Definitely. So uh, let's go ahead and get started here. Um, yeah. So Danny, in your mind, how bad is this drought we're experiencing right now? Uh, well, let's just take a look at uh, what are some of our reservoirs out there look like. We can see here this picture of Lake Mead, um, which feeds a lot of the Southern California, Nevada area. 
uh, you can see from 2000, even the difference of 21 to 22, uh, that water level has dropped drastically. Yeah, and then that last picture in 22, I mean, that's, that is so low. Now, this is important, especially to those of us in San Diego uh, or anywhere in Southern California, because uh, we're, we're at the end of the tap, right? Uh, I think in San Diego, we get less than 10% of our water from groundwater. So uh, most of it comes either from the Colorado River or uh, Northern California. Correct. And uh, oftentimes uh, in the irrigation system, something, some of these leaks are might be almost impossible to, to identify, uh, especially for the instance um, Um, let's break down our system, you know, let's break it into a hemisphere. So we got two halves to our irrigation system, one being your sprinkler timer, right? Could be a, a controller. Hopefully it's weather-based irrigation timing, like a Jane Unit controller that really optimizes weather data and the irrigation system in place. Um, the other half being your infrastructure of your irrigation system. So your sprinkler valves, your piping system, sprinklers themselves, maybe drip system, spray heads. Um, so... As, as great as our watering schedules may be and as accurate it can be, um, if we're watering a system for 10 minutes and that irrigation system has a leak, we're still losing 10 minutes of water there, you know? So we wanna make sure we can identify um, those problems. So Danny, is it more than just leaks? Are there other problems we might see in our system that, uh, uh, that can, can help us save water versus just spotting leaks? Correct. Um, sometimes it may just be a, an adjustment issue. Uh, a lot of times uh, over years, maybe your property uh, switch hands with a contract maintenance contract contractor. And a lot of times they do things a little differently. Uh, they may change nozzles to something that should or shouldn't have been there, mixing and matching maybe a spray hail rotors uh, and disturbing that, uh, what we call distribution uniformity, the precipitation rate also on an irrigation system. Yeah, I actually see that a lot, right? Uh, 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 so one manufacturer's heads mixed in with the other, right? All the different types of heads and uh, maybe not the most efficient way to go. Correct, so let's, let's take a look uh, at some of these, these problems here. Um, for instance, uh, this leak on the edge of the sidewalk, maybe you have a sprinkler uh, that broke or maybe your piping broke. Uh, and then what happens when this is watering? Most irrigation systems run overnight and so you get up in the morning, go take a look. Hey, everything looks fine and dandy, um, but you might have a leak and just going right down the drain. So the water's gone. When you wake up, you don't see a puddle that'll, that'll signify you have a, a leak somewhere. Yeah, so what do we do about that, right? I, uh, uh, I water, or most people water, you know, when it's dark out and uh, I don't always see them, usually when I'm asleep too. So how, how do I find these leaks? Well, if, if you're lucky uh, and, and Kind of proactive there. Hopefully you have an irrigation system that can identify and notify you of these leaks uh, while it's happening and it can prevent some of these items. Uh, first, a smart controller. Some out there have a capability of pairing the controller with the flow sensor, which will monitor your watering system while it's running, even, even when the irrigation system is off. Um, hope, uh, and also paired with what's called a master valve that kind of protects all the water supply going to the irrigation system. Your smart controller might be able to shut that valve off and prevent that leak from going, send you an alert so you know that you have an issue and go out there and make that repair. Yeah, so I wish everybody had a flow control with a smart controller, right? But uh, I think the reality is uh, uh, many people don't. So is there a visual way to, to spot some leaks? 
Absolutely. Um, maybe you're, you're suspect you have a leak. It might be something minor when you're not sure. But uh, one of the good things to would be to know is where your water meter, your point of connection is uh, for your system. Uh, for residential system, most homeowners kind of know it's by the street. Uh, your landscape will be kind of similar. Um, it's along the street, uh, open up under a box. Usually looks something like this, but uh, very important to know how to read that gauge. Um, there's a couple things. One, if you look at the gauge on the right-hand side, they're kind of zoomed in. Uh, the, that number one arrow pointing to the totalizer. So that's giving you a total of how much water you've used over the life of the system. Um, this is what your meter company's coming out and reading every month to determine, hey, how much water you're using, send your bill. Number two is the flow indicator needle, which kind of totalizes also one full turn. I'll give you a cubic foot in this case. Uh, but sometimes you might have a minor leak, something that moves real slow and you don't, you can't really tell that red needle's moving. And that's what you wanna locate that little blue wheel, the leak indicator. So if that thing's spinning, Richard, you got a leak going somewhere, assuming your system's shut off, nothing should be watering. If that thing's spinning, we gotta go find where that's where it's going. Yeah, I just wanna stop here. I've got a couple questions. I wanna remind everybody that we have the chat and the Q&A open today. So if you have some questions for Danny, or some comments, put them in there. I know for uh, good questions, we've been rewarding people with Jane Irrigation training t-shirts and hats. So uh, it's a fun way to get uh, some, uh, some, some uh, nice apparel, but um, not everybody's gonna have a badger meter uh, at their home. Uh, is there, whatever meter it is, is it gonna look very similar to this? Yeah, you may have a couple of smaller wheels that indicate flow, but for the most part, you should have that flow indicator. You may have a new digital one, um, which should have a little flashing uh, type of icon on it. It signifies there's flow going through there. Yeah, and then the other thing I've noticed, right, um, even in my neighborhood uh, today, 2022, uh, our guys still come by and manually read these. Um, but it's that, so in this case, it's the little blue dial, number three is what you identified it as. Uh, mine happens to be more like a triangle, but uh, if I turn everything off in my house and that thing's spinning, does that mean I have a leak? Uh, yeah, you have water going somewhere through your system, definitely most likely a leak. And that's the one that'll pick up the smallest leaks, is that right? Absolutely, Richard, that's a, that's a low, low leak indicator. Mm, okay. So again, if I get a really high water bill and I'm wondering what's going on, uh, take a look here and, and uh, I'll know if some water is running. Correct. Uh, one of the good things to do, like you mentioned, Richard, if you are looking at a residential site, um, most of your irrigation system, your watering system, um, might have a ball valve shut off. You know, you can turn one off or turn the ball valve going into your house to identify if that leak's going through your sprinkler system or into your house somewhere. Yeah. Interesting. And then... Uh, you know, I, I bought a flume uh, water uh, meter uh, the other day, uh, maybe a year ago, not the other day, but it uh, it attached, it said it would attach in uh, in about 15 minutes. I attached it in just a couple minutes, but uh, now I have an app on my phone and I can read exactly how much water I'm using inside my house at any time, right? If I turn on the faucet, I can see it picks it up uh, magnetically off this meter. Uh, they're really cool. The other thing I can do with this now is I can tie it into my smart controller because I can run my zones and I can see how much water they're using and I get a really good uh, uh, indication of how much water each zone uh, is using uh, at any given time. Correct. Yeah, that's that's great, Richard. Um, great device there if you don't have a smart controller that, that, that totals that for you. Um, having that flume device is real beneficial also. Yeah. So, okay, great. Thank you. So if you have a leak, 
right? I can spot that one. That one I'll even find without uh, looking at the meter. Correct. Your neighbor's probably going to call you before before you find out, or you're going to hear it. It's going to wake you up in the middle of the night. Um, but I guess depending on how you look at it, you know, maybe you're, you're you're lucky you found the leak right away, or you're you're unlucky there. That thing's using throwing a lot of water out there. Yeah, you know, I, yeah so. that's going to be a nightmare water bill. Whoever gets that one. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Um, but sometimes it's a minor leak, right? That little blue indicator light just moving real slow. Um, so what are some of the kind of uh, identifiers, right? So let's think of that as like your vehicle, right? This is going to be your check engine light coming on. Hey, you got an issue. Let's take a look at it. Uh, maybe you're going to see a little water puddle somewhere. Uh, usually if it's a small minor leak, this is going to kind of develop gradually. Uh, you'll see it there. One of the easy ways to identify if this is actually a leak or maybe just a low point where water collects in your irrigation system uh, is go ahead and shut your sprinklers off for maybe a day or two and see if that puddle goes away. If it's just persistent, most likely you're going to have a leak there. Uh, same with the picture on the right. You might see a, a lot of growth in one area all of a sudden. This could be a leaky valve or maybe a leaky main line itself, you know, but you got a little excess water going there compared to the rest of your lawn. Uh, somebody once taught me or mentioned that uh, any anytime you're looking at leaks for irrigation or even uh, bad wiring for your valves, uh, a high percentage is going to uh, happen or occur really close to a valve or really close to a head. Would you Would you agree with that, Danny? Yeah, most of the times uh, your, your leaks, for example, you're going to see around the head, uh, especially if you have a leaky valve or maybe it's a low point. We can kind of touch on that too there. Um, but uh, usually, like I said, a little sprinkler leak, uh, you'll see around a, a valve box where maybe you open up the lid or around the box real wet, you're walking by there and all of a sudden you're, you're sinking in. Um, but there's some uh, indicators that, that real quickly you can identify if you do have a leak, right? Excessive water there. Uh, when it comes to sprinklers, for example, uh, right? We got the easy identifier, right? You got that geyser shooting up. Uh, maybe not you have, maybe you don't have a broken sprinkler. Maybe just your nozzle popped off the sprinkler head. Uh, a lot of times I come across properties, we're going there, we're doing our site walks, we look at a, a, a station, turn it on, say, hey, we got a geyser, you know, just look around there. You might find that nozzle on the ground, you're able to pick it up, uh, put a filter in there, and screw your nozzle back on. Yeah, that's a lucky good catch, right? But it happens right. all the time. I mean, you do yeah, absolutely. fairly easily. Yeah, definitely. Um, similar to like the, our middle picture, a loose sprinkler cap. Uh, this happens quite often, especially around uh, like a mowing edge or a curb next to a sidewalk. A lot of times you're you're going through there you're, when you're doing your lawn or your contractor's doing your lawn, they use a weed edger or a lawn edger type of, and the cap's just getting nicked and tapped every time. And eventually that little cap starts becoming loose. Um, but here you see that leak coming from the bottom of the sprinkler in the middle there. And it's just a matter of tightening that cap head right back onto the sprinkler, leak goes away. Yeah, and I think too, Danny, when you turn on a system, maybe you have uh, 60 pounds of pressure or something, if you don't have a pressure compensating uh, uh, sprinkler, it's getting hit when you first turn on with 100 pounds or 125, I think I've seen at times. And certainly that loosens these caps too. Yes, definitely. Uh, that pressure just hammering up and down every time it comes on might, might turn that cap a little bit every time. Uh, but one of the first indicators, maybe you don't have that geyser. Uh, if you're walking around looking at your sprinkler system, you see that picture on the right. We got all that little mud kind of building up around the sprinkler. Um, this could be a leaky cap, just like the middle picture there. But most likely um, you have a leak below the sprinkler where that sprinkler is connected to your piping system. Um, but your first signs is you're going to see that silt kind of start coming up from with that water pushing out of the ground. 
Um, and maybe you don't have a break. It could just be that sprinkler came a little loose off that connection. They just, a lot of times they're just threaded on. Um, you might just need to dig that up, tighten your sprinkler back up and see your, your leaks goes away. So I, I love that photo. And this is something you do really see a lot of, right? Is that silt bubbling up? So if I just kind of look away and ignore it for a while, will it just take care of itself? No, fortunately with leaks, um, more often than not, these just keep getting worse and worse too. <laughs> So either you got a big hole there or you're starting to lose some lawn and just keeps growing and growing. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, but here's a, a good indicator, Richard, right? You, you're just walking away, right? Like you mentioned, sometimes just like, Hey, it's nothing major. Uh, I'll get to it another time. Um, and you might notice it starts off with your picture on the left. So um, two things that might cause is one your leaky valve, right? Uh, this may just be a low point drain where the system's draining out of the irrigation system, which uh, you can prevent that from putting a sprinkler with what they call a, a check valve, uh, keep the water in the system. So if you have a low point there, you can save some water there by putting sprinklers in with check valves that maintains the water in the line when the system's shut off. That way, every time the sprinkler comes on, it's not refilling that pipe and draining after it shuts off. Um, but this leak, this could be a leaky valve, maybe a little bit of water bypassing your valve. And it starts off, you know, it, it's just kind of always wet. You always see a little runoff. Uh, maybe it doesn't, um, you know, you're not going to see that water at first. But if you notice closely, there is a little bit of silt, a little bit of brown dirt on that sidewalk. Um, so that's your first indicator that you might have a leak. And hopefully you can catch that minor leak before it comes and it turns into something like we have on the right there. Yeah, I guess the other thing I notice here, Danny, that uh, uh, is always the thing that concerns me the most is, that one on the right-hand side where you have the white arrow, there's a lot more soil and debris there than on the left. And uh, I, is that a really big indicator that you've got a big problem? Correct. Yeah, you have a big problem, a uh, little, maybe a little larger than that minor lake. Also, it's, it's uh, possibly just grown over the time. Maybe it's been neglected for a while. You got more, um, more and more sediment coming out that irrigation system. Um, but the other thing to consider, uh, if this is your irrigation system, not only are we, are we losing water, you know, we have a leak, um, this could be a liability issue. You know, people like people walk down the sidewalks, this uh, moss on there growing has been there for a while, obviously. Um, it's a slipping hazard. Yeah, it's so true. I wish, uh, I wish it wasn't something we had to worry about, but oh man, in this day and age. And, you know, the other thing, Danny, is the temperatures are getting colder. This is the thing I used to hear uh, when I was contracting so much is that, the water freezes at night and somebody slips on it. And then you've got a slip and fall problem. So yeah, these are really important, especially as the weather gets uh, cooler to take care of. Yeah, definitely. You, you touched on a very, very hot topic there. For example, um, working for Jane Unity T Water here, we got a customer out in Arizona and then he reached out to me and said, hey, Daniel, uh, we got a HOA. It's a senior citizen community. Our homeowners like to get up five, six in the morning, walk on the sidewalk, I can't have water on the sidewalks overnight, um, late in the morning, or early morning, I'm sorry, um, because it's a slip and fall hazard with it when the ice is up. So uh, we were able to adjust their schedules to make those turf stations water early in the evening. So come morning time, it's all dried up. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, the really good contractors that are aware of this, are sensitive to the needs of their customers. And, and I always say, right, if we catch it before our customer does, then we can bill for it. And if our customer catches it first, we're going to do it for free. Definitely. Great, great advice there. 
Um, so that leak, right, might be uh, something going on in, inside your valve. Maybe you don't actually have a, a, a break in the system. Um, it could be something as simple as your solenoid may be loose. So this is kind of a breakdown of what most valves look like. Um, oftentimes, these solenoids, they can be just turned, maybe a quarter turn, half a turn, and the valve will activate. A lot of times, uh, your maintenance contractor might turn the valve on manually that way instead of having to run all the way back to the controller to turn the station on so they can do their, their wet checks, inspect them. Sometimes they just don't snug them quite up, quite enough. Um, you might just find that you gotta go up to it, tighten it a little bit, water stops flowing, all right? You fixed your leak. Otherwise the bonnet screw or sometimes the bleed screw, that's also a manual bleed that the customer, uh, your maintenance contractor might open to activate this valve. Maybe it doesn't get tightened up all the way or it could be a little standard to be kind of floated in between there while they had it running. Uh, screwed, it wasn't tight enough, so you got a little leak. You might have that valve box full of water now with that bleach screw open, and also might have that leak we just saw. Yeah. At the end of the and Denny, I'm going to do a little commercial for the Jane valves right now. One of the things I love about the Jane valves is if they have a manual on and off on them, there's no, oh, I got to loosen this to bleed it, right? There's no water leakage. There's no, uh, uh, I got to remember to tighten it. Um, that's what I, I really like about the Jane valves. Yeah, excellent valve there, Richard. Uh, we call that an internal bleed. So that water pressure off the top of the diaphragm bleeds down into the system. So it's going to your watering system and not just filling up your valve box. Yeah. Um, other thing you might have is you see your diaphragm. It's a rubber diaphragm. It has a uh, seat seal on the bottom of it, which mates up to the body of the valve. And that's what shuts off your water uh, in the piping system. Sometimes sand debris goes in there. Uh, a lot of times I see that when maybe there's construction in the area, uh, Construction companies open up the main line, they get debris, dirt in there, and hey, you're at the end of that uh, watering system. A lot of that sand debris might have floated into your irrigation system, gets stuck in there. Might just need to open up your valve, clean it up, button it back up, and you're back in business. Yeah, which is um, so much easier, right, than replacing the whole valve. Um, it's uh, not that complicated of a change, is it? No, it's not. Uh, usually, you just want to shut off your water supply. Uh, either it's held down by screws most of the time, or some nuts and bolts, uh, remove it, open it up, clean it out, uh, and then put it back together, inspect it for leaks, cracks, and stuff. Yeah. And the other thing I like about that, so one, yeah, thank you for mentioning turn off the water supply. Um, I've known people have been injured <laughs> having that uh, come off and hit them in the chest, so that uh, that's great. So that's number one. Number two, uh, mostly it's clean also, right? It's a screw that isn't rusted on, it's not over-tightened, it's pretty easy to get this stuff on and off and, uh, and, uh, and clean. Correct, yeah, Richard, most of these uh, manufacturers these days have uh, switched over to like stainless steel screws that don't corrode on you. Um, nice higher quality plastics, maybe a, a nylon reinforced, um, make it a lot easier for a uh, repair. Um, only thing is, if you, if you do decide to open this up, one of these valves up and you've never done one before, be careful. Um, especially around uh, removing the solenoid. Sometimes there's a small spring and a tin in there that might fall out. Uh, be careful you don't lose that and drop it in the mud because it's very difficult to find sometimes. <laughs> yeah, great, uh, great practical uh, recommendation there. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so Richard, you and I, we travel for business sometimes, right? And uh, you go away for a week, come back, you found out it got a little hot while you were gone. You come home, you see these picture on the top left there. What's one of the things, first things that comes to mind? First thing I'm thinking, besides thinking of a donut, um, I'm going to be thinking about, I need to turn up my water. Look at this. This is terrible. I better uh, turn up the time on my controller. 
Yeah, Richard, very, very common uh, response there. Um, but what I'd like to recommend is before we go out there and turn the, turn your timer up, adding more minutes to your schedules, uh, let's turn that sprinkler valve on. Let's see if we have another issue. Uh, a lot of times with this, for example, it's either low pressure or sprinklers are too low in the system. Um, so you might wonder, how, how does my sprinkler become too low all of a sudden, you know? Uh, if you if you got your, your guys out there mowing, a lot of times they run these uh, walk-on mowers, maybe a sprinkler's right next to the driveway, it gets run over a little bit. If that area around that sprinkler was a little too wet and it gets run over repeatedly, that sprinkler may get pushed down a little. So that's the case what happened here. On top one, maybe you had another sprinkler that leaked and now there's not enough pressure in your system to pop up all your sprinklers. You got too much water leaking somewhere. So again, bumping up the minutes isn't gonna help. It's still gonna stay brown. You're just gonna increase that water waste. A good indicator that your sprinklers are too low. If you see that middle picture on the left, you kind of see that turf just fanned out around the center there. There's a sprinkler in the middle there and that water that's spraying out, you can see at that bottom left picture, it's just pushing that overgrown grass down, kind of matting it down. It's not really reaching where it needs to. Yeah, Danny, do me a favor and tell us a little bit about this image on the right. It looks like a, a spray head body on like a swinging arm or what, what, what is that? Yeah, correct, Richard. So we call that a, a swing assembly or a swing joint. A lot of times your irrigation system will be installed like this. Uh, one, it protects the, the piping system below. So if you had a rigid riser directly under that sprinkler and that sprinkler gets run over, it's gonna break that joint. Um, so it's actually a great, great idea to put those into your sprinkler system where uh, if it does get ran over or pushed down, that whole assembly just kind of pushes down into the soil and not onto the pipe. Um, but the great thing is if they do have that installed, all you gotta do is dig up around a little, you can rate, pull the sprinkler up a little back up to the height it needs to be and, and your uh, sprinkler being too low is, has been eliminated. Now your, your sprinklers are reaching over the turf and hitting all the spots it needs to. Yeah, so that's great, right? Because if I did have the rigid riser, instead of just sinking down in the ground, probably that riser is going to break. Correct. Yeah, and have, then I'm going to have a leak and I'm going to have a bigger problem. But uh, so this one's just going to slip down a little bit. I can pull it back up. Okay, good. Yep. Yep. Uh, bring it back up to grade, uh, compact the soil around it, and you're back in business. So what are some of the other things that might occur? Maybe your sprinklers are misadjusted or they've got a little vandalism. This is very common. Um, I hear this a lot of times on HOAs that are on the way home from the schools, right? And the sprinkler gets popped up. Kids like to run by, kick them, mess with them. They, they, they don't know, hey, they're just being teenagers, a little mischievous, um, but don't understand that, that, hey, they're causing an issue. On the left side, we have an adjustable sprinkler. Uh, sometimes it may just need to be adjusted. Uh, there's a tool that, that goes with it. Um, this one's a variable arc where you can change it from like a 90 degree to 180 degree, 210 degrees uh, or full, full circle on some of them. Uh, maybe just got misadjusted or rotated and it's now spraying into the street. Similar with that second, second picture, that's a single stream rotor uh, going onto the, the parkway there you can see. Um, and it's just a matter of rotating the sprinkler back to its original position. Yeah, Danny, I, I want to mention too uh, how bad this issue of vandalism is. You know, where we see it happening the most is in the hotter climates. Uh, you're running irrigation at night. People are out at night because it's cool, and then they're attracted by the water, and it's hot enough to where a nice soak in the sprinkler feels good too. So, uh, yeah, that's where we see it the most. And uh, I'm telling you, some of the HOAs I've seen, uh, the amount of extra money they're spending on water doing due to breaks and leaks has uh, been incredible. 
where the flow sensor with the smart controller really saves that problem and, and ends up paying for itself in a very short period of time. Yes, definitely, Richard. We want to try to get an irrigation controller out there that, that can really catch these things on the fly and prevent them from happening. Yeah. Um, sometimes your nozzle might be adjusted incorrectly, right? We had a, you got your main contract director. Hey, it's Friday afternoon. It's a holiday weekend. I got a rotor sprinkler I'm replacing. Hey, I don't have the right nozzle. I'm just going to throw this larger one that needed and just turn it down. Um, these rotor nozzles, uh, these rotor tap nozzles, which I'll show a little later here. Um, if you can look at that sprinkler there in the third picture with the diffused nozzle, um, that nozzle has been adjusted incorrectly. So instead of having a nice sharp stream that rotates back and forth, it's kind of spread out horizontally now. Uh, it's been um, it's been adjusted to where now it's no longer has its proper distribution or precipitation rate. Uh, it's going to put out more water than needed to be in one area. So Danny, how does this happen? Right, there's a screw on top of the head. And it screws down into the nozzle. Is that is that what's happening? Correct. So that nozzle is actually just designed to retain the different nozzles that you can put into that sprinkler to adjust the, the distance. So you normally adjust the distance by changing a different nozzle in there, one with a larger orifice. Uh, sometimes um, your contractor, somebody may have seen, hey, this is a little, little too dry here. I'm gonna put a bigger nozzle and just crank down that, that screw so it doesn't spray onto my sidewalk. Uh, but in reality, they're just uh, putting too much water on there. They should have just adjusted all their sprinklers, put the proper nozzle. Maybe in that case, did need to just increase the watering time. But Danny, it's just so much easier to screw down the screw than to change the <laughs> nozzle. <laughs> well, what's e easy is not always the correct thing there. <laughs> okay, all right. Right, and then uh, similar to the one picture on our right, uh, we got sprinkler spraying too far on the sidewalk. You know, this is, looks like, uh, I would say, maybe an eight to, eight to 10 foot parkway strip there. Um, a lot of times I'll just see, and I go in there, there's a 15 foot nozzle on there. It's just spraying too far. You know, it might be same thing again. Hey, your landscape maintenance guy um, was going through there doing the system. Hey, I don't have a eight foot nozzle, but I got a, I got some tens and twelves in there. I'm gonna put it on there, color today, right? Mm -hmm. I don't wanna run to the parts house. So I, I hear and see that a lot. Yeah, and I think uh, the contractor here might be picking up some uh, car washing uh, bills also. From, uh, <laughs> Correct. Parking there. So how do we correct some of these things, Richard? That's pretty simple. An example uh, for the first top left one, um, they're an adjustable nozzle. Uh, for the example here, these are uh, like a rotary. We call them uh, MP rotors by Hunter's very popular. Uh, Rainbird makes rotary nozzles as well. Uh, they make a little tool. You can adjust the arc on the sprinkler, get it back lined up. Uh, on the case of the second one there, that rotor was just rotating onto the street. Um, instead of seeing that dry patch uh, from there, you'd be on the bottom left, you start seeing the dry spot. But actually, in reality, that sprinkler was just spraying onto the street instead of on the, on the plant material where it's needed. Um, that one's on a riser, like you see down below. Uh, you might just need to rotate the whole assembly. So, Danny, speaking of rotor adjustments, um, How's this work? One side's a fixed edge and the other, other edge is the uh, edge that you adjust? Correct. So for the first one on the left there, your MP nozzles, uh, your rotary nozzles, uh, for Hunter MP nozzles, for example, uh, your left side is your fixed edge and you're going to adjust the right side. Uh, for most of your rotors, like the third one picture there, um, your right side's your fixed, you're just in the left side. So you would line up one side with your edge and you're open or decreased the other edge. 
So that is a real good picture. That hunter uses their, their own special wrench. You can see on that red nozzle between that, the, the tool, white tool there and where it goes through the body, that little screw that goes through there. Uh, you can see that one's kind of, that one's adjusted properly. The screw isn't, isn't down blocking that orifice, causing that diffused nozzle spray. You want it just enough to get in there and hold that nozzle in place. Yeah, okay. So then, right, so there might be an occasion where I want to adjust that screw. If it's a big adjustment, I'll probably change the nozzle. Um, Correct. Yeah. Maybe you're just overspraying by a foot or two. You need to turn it down just a tiny bit. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, on the overspray on the right one, um, you can see that little silver flathead screw slotted portion on the top of the screw there. Um, you can turn that down with a little flathead screwdriver to decrease the distance on that sprinkler nozzle. Um, the rule of thumb there with the spray head, though, is you don't want to adjust it down more than 25% of its intended throw. So if you do that, you're uh, going to, again, you're going to be putting down too much water. You're, you're, you're throwing off your distribution uniformity and your precip rate. You're putting down more water in one spot than the rest of your sprinklers. So mm -hmm. case in point, that's why they usually come in two to three foot increments. You'll have a five, eight, 10, 12, 15 foot sprays. Okay. So this, uh, if I can read that correctly, it's like a 10 Q. So it's a 10 quarter. Correct. So 10 foot quarter. The quarter. Yeah. And the next one from down there would be, if you can see it here, kind of small, this one's an eight foot quarter. So if you're going to go down more than eight feet, switch to your eight foot nozzle, you'll keep what we call, what um, they call it MPR, the match precipitation rate of these nozzles uniform out there. Um, and then if you, if you're going to adjust these sprinklers, one of the key components is you can see that little clear uh, filter screen that goes in between your body and the nozzle. So you got to drop that down in first. And that little screen has to be in there for you to adjust your sprinklers down. Um, because what you have, it's a little difficult. You see, this is the inside of that nozzle. It's just a little screw head that's up in there upside down. So when you screw that down, it closes up the open port there on that screen, reducing how much water is going through there and reducing your distance. So those, uh, those screens are important. I just can't toss it. No, definitely. They're important. If, if, they're, if they're clogging on you a lot, um, what you want to do is turn your sprinkler system without the nozzle, without the screen, flush it out, and then put it back in there. Yeah. Okay, great. That's a great tip. And uh, yeah, just any flathead screwdriver pretty much will fit in there, right? Correct. Definitely. And then so your rotors, here's all the, the assortment. Here's a couple, um, couple of the manufacturers that make rotors. So if you got your center rotor there, the fans kind of spread out a little too much, um, you want to go ahead and put a smaller nozzle to cover the distance you need. What you want to see is like you see on the right hand there, one nice stream. Um, some, some of these manufacturers call it like a rain curtain or a uniform watering pattern where the water is nice and even from the sprinkler all the way out to the edge. So here's your sprinkler adjustment for that sprinkler head. Uh, we want to remember we follow that 25% rule. Don't go more than 25% uh, of his 10th throw when you adjust it down. If you do, you want to adjust to a smaller nozzle. Yeah, that's a great uh, rule of thumb, uh, Danny, at all. It's easy to remember, too. So yeah. One of your major water wasters, uh, one of the major topics here today is, is adjusting your valves. And one of the biggest wastes, and uh, we'll show you some data numbers here, um, but Richard, how do you, how do you, what do you, what do you see on these two, the difference from the left and the right, shall I say? Yeah, I see just a whole lot of uh, misting. I see a lot of evaporation. I see a lot of water never making it to my landscape. 
it's making it to my neighbor's house or uh, just diffusing into the atmosphere. I, uh, this, is, um, this is what I fear is happening to a lot of uh, irrigation. Absolutely, Richard. We, we come across this, literally I was out on a site uh, this Monday um, and just spotted it right away with the contractor. He has a new, uh, new site that they just took over kind of showed them how to adjust their valves to get eliminate this. So what we want to see in the sprinkler system is not what you see on the left, you know, like you said, all, all the misting, all the, all the water blown away from the system having too much pressure. Uh, what we want to see is what you got on the, on the right side there, the top one spray heads, nice big water droplets, minimal misting. Uh, the bottom rotor, you see a nice sharp stream rotating back and forth. You don't see all that mist again. Uh, so most of your valves, right? So this is probably what you have on the left. Something similar, a little anti-siphon valve, we call them, they go above ground. Uh, commercial, we got one there that's pretty common, uh, but they both have what we call a flow control. I wanna say about nine, over 90% of your valves are gonna have them. There's some valves out there that don't have a, a flow control, but it's that little cross handle on the green one there on the left, that black cross handle right in the center, uh, the black wheeled looking one on the right there. We wanna adjust the flow on the valves to, to reduce the amount of water flow and in turn reducing the pressure going through the system. Uh, to an optimal pressure that's going through the system. So there are devices that you can add to this system if you want to eliminate the guesswork. Uh, they make pressure regulators that bolt that screw right onto the solenoids on some of these valves that will dial your pressure into exactly what, what's needed for the sprinkler system. Um, if not, you can we can get pretty close just by adjusting the flow. So what this adjusting this flow on this valve, I got this one here for example, um, the flow handle here, flow control um, is going to limit the travel of that diaphragm inside the valve and limit the amount of water flow going through there. So what you want to do is activate your valve by the sprinkler timer, right? You turn your controller on, turn the station on, and then you're going to need to know where your sprinkler valves are. Go to that valve and you want to start turning that valve down slowly to one, you can see that mist reducing, right? So we get eliminate all that mist. Um, or another rule we can try is um, sometimes the customer will turn it down until they see those sprinklers dip down. Once they dip down, back that turn out one full turn, and that'll get you a really good close starting point to where you need to be. Because um, things, if, if I crank that all the way down, I'll just turn off my water, right? Correct. That can also be used to shut off your water supply. Um, and then what you want to do also when you're adjusting this valve is if you're turning that valve down and you're starting to hear that water streaming through there, but you still have a lot of water, a lot of mist blasting out of your sprinklers, uh, chances are your system wasn't designed properly to put a oversized valve. A valve is too big for that, the demand on that line. You may actually need to downsize your valve in order to be able to achieve this goal. Yeah. Um, okay. You want to crank so, it down, limit it that. So again, turn that down, right? And it turns just like a regular faucet. Correct. Uh, turn it down until you see those sprinklers dip and then turn it back. Back it off. Yeah. yeah. So then once you do that, you've eliminated your mist. Um, your sprinkler is still covering the distance you want. Go ahead and shut that water off from the sprinkler timer and then confirm it's going to open properly. Um, sometimes if you close it too tight, um, too much, and then when that solenoid port opens up, it's, it doesn't have enough water going through there to um, lead off the pressure of the diaphragm and open back up. So you want to uh, reactivate your valve with your timer, make sure it's going to come on and off. Make sure you don't have too much water bypassing from some of your sprinkler seals. Um, if you do, then you may need to repair some sprinklers first before you, you adjust that valve too much. Yeah. So, uh, Danny, uh, we have got a question coming in from a viewer, and it is this. Uh, if you have too big of a valve, how do you know what the right size valve is? 
Um, so you might do a little calculation. Uh, you need to find out a total total up the amount of water your sprinklers need, which you would need to know how much water each one each sprinkler uh, it requires um, at different pressures. Um, usually, you can get pretty close by uh, looking at a spec book from uh, uh, the sprinkler manufacturer, seeing how much each different nozzle, count them all up, and it'll give you a GPM. And then you take that, look at a valve, find a valve that will give you that, that range of flow. So, uh, all right, just to make my math easy, if I've got 10 heads on a zone, they're each putting out two gallons uh, per minute. I know I need 20 gallons per minute. I go check the valve and I put a three inch valve on here and I'm probably not reaching uh, that the minimum is uh, probably right. not there yet. So if I back down to an inch and a half valve or an inch valve, I'll see that I'm within the spec. Yes, correct, Richard. Yeah. So, um, and then somebody else is making the comment, well, would it be easier to install a pressure regulator instead of changing a valve in that situation? Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, sometimes you may need to do both, right? Um, but for, for today's purpose, we want to try to get there, make some kind of savings, right? Without, without, uh, with the minimal amount of investment into there, um, with what you have existing, you should be able to turn that down and save some water. But absolutely, if, if you want to limit the guesswork, put a pressure regulator in there, something with the gauge, and get the exact pressure you need. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, so, Richard, here's a site I was out on Monday. Um, here in SoCal, you can see that this is the same sprinkler, same uh, irrigation system. Uh, you can see on the bottom left, those sprinklers were just missing, right? Too much water going through there. And you look at the right, that's after we adjusted the valve, right? So on this one here, uh, these are, we had 12 rotors on this line. Oh, I'll put it now about eight gallons per minute. Uh, with the high pressure, it'd be a lot more. Our next chart will show you. Um, but not only that, after we adjusted the valve, if you look at the top left, you see that little leak coming out of the side of the sprinkler there. Yeah. The system had just way too much pressure. Uh, just by adjusting the flow on that valve, you can see on that right-hand picture, um, not only uh, did that leak disappear, we actually still had a little bit of dribble out of there, but reduced greatly, right? So having the right pressures, one, we can eliminate some of these leaks. And two, from the bottom, you can see we can eliminate a lot of that mist, water wasted going away. Yeah, that's amazing, Danny, that uh, you caught these shots so well too, because Really, that one on the right is textbook uh, what those droplets should look like. And uh, the one on the left is textbook about what misting looks like. And uh, it really shows the waste there. The, the water is going in the wrong direction. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we did this. Um, the, the interesting thing here, we kind of we went through there, showed the customer contractor how to do this. Uh, this is one site with uh, eight controllers on there each controller with 48 stations so you can imagine if you do this on that kind of scale how much water we can save 25 30 percent by that scale that's a lot of water yeah literally talking uh thousands and thousands of gallons yeah absolutely so here's just a, a basic chart from a, a rotor manufacturer um, on the left gives you the different uh nozzles on there so we'll just focus in on, on one the 2.5 nozzle uh here if you look at the top right we got our chart so if we're trying to achieve a 35 foot radius out of one of these sprinklers, you can see that um, first column is a PSI, right? So 25 to 65 PSI is what they give us in, in, the, in the specs for this controller, for the, I'm sorry, for the sprinkler. Um, second one is the feet and radius, how far that's gonna throw. Uh, you can see that if you wanna get 35 feet, you gotta range from 35 to 65 PSI to play with. Hmm. Okay, so this nozzle will, will cover that range at any PSI there between there. Um, but you can see the big difference in the gallons per minute that this sprinkler uses at those different pressures. At 35 PSI, it's only 2.1 gallons per minute. 
on the top range, 65 PSI is 2.9 gallons per minute. So from 65 PSI down to 35, we got a 28% reduction in the amount of water that's going down. Wow. Okay, so the very critical, especially if we're talking to smart irrigation controllers. So like our drain unit controllers, we can plug in that precipitation rate. If you look at that third, fourth column there. Uh, at 35 PSI, it's pointing down 0.33 inches per hour. We're at 46, we're putting 0.46. So uh, given that data to a controller, um, ideally, let's get a water audit done, really find out the exact uh, precip rate because there's other factors that go into this precipitation rate. Um, but you can see how quickly, just by adjusting the pressures on these valves, you can save quite a bit of it on quite a large amount of water. Boy, you're not kidding. And uh, the time it takes to do this and the expense is really zero. And the time isn't that much. It's, um, that's a pretty significant uh, decrease in water use for a very easy adjustment. Absolutely, Richard. Um, this, and this chart just tells us 65 PSI. You know, that's pretty, pretty regular for uh, a system that has a regulator already on it. You know, some of these systems, like the one we ha I have, for example, there, it actually has a booster pump because they're looking at a, a large slope there. They're pushing water up. So that thing's running over 100 PSI. Yeah. Yeah, at 65, 70 PSI, I would say is a very um, normal or very popular PSI that I see all, all around the Southwest, that's for sure. Uh, that, that's kind of where I think everything is. Yeah, definitely, Richard. Um, that's, that's very common PSI uh, around, across the board there. But um, you can just imagine if we're running 100 PSI and we adjust it down to 35, 40 PSI, we're going to save 40% or more on our water bill. Yeah, so then we've got another question coming in, Daniel, and it has to do with uh, the PSI. Uh, some people are just relying on what the water company says what the PSI is, but to actually do this calculation, should we be manually checking it as well? Um, yeah, if you want to get, get it dialed in um, exactly, find out what your pressure is. Um, there's very common water pressure gauges. There's some that you can just screw onto your hose bib. You know, screw your hose bib, turn your water, I'll give you exact PSI. Uh, there's smaller gauges. Sometimes a lot of commercial properties on their water meter, they'll have a, what's called a backflow device right nearby. Um, they have a quarter inch port on there. You put a gauge on there real easily, find out exactly what your pressure is. Um, and then from there, you can also, they make pressure gauges that you can mount onto your sprinkler and find out exactly what your pressure is at each sprinkler head. So it just, um, we can provide those links uh, for customers if, if you want, uh, if, they're, if they'd like. But yeah, definitely, you can find out your pressure anywhere in the system. Yeah, and I like those too, right? Because I'm just uh, unscrewing a nozzle maybe and I'm putting it on top and it, it's easy to do. So now, Danny, uh, on your chart here, uh, down the left-hand side where it says 1.5, 2, 2.5, 3.0, 4.0, what do those represent? Uh, that's the, the number nozzle that this manufacturer uses. So they number their nozzles. So the number 1.5, 2.0 nozzle, that's just their indicator which nozzle. Um, if you look at your nozzle rack that comes on a rotor, um, they'll have a little number uh, mold stamped in there. Yeah. So, and then that number also corresponds to what the gallons per minute are as well. Is that right? Correct. So for this, this uh, manufacturer example, they, they numbered their nozzles by the gallons per minute at 45 PSI. Yeah. Okay. And then again, the reason why the gallons per minute varies with the PSI is has to do with uh, how much um, the pressure actually pushing more water out at a higher PSI than at a low. Yes, definitely, Richard. So at that 45 PSI, this is that's what this manufacturer considers the optimal pressure 
Um, you're not going to get that misting. Uh, you'll get the intended throw out of that sprinkler. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you. Uh, that's all we have, Richard. That's uh, basically. Yeah. Well, it's a lot. Adjustments. Yeah. <laughs> All we have, uh, Danny, this is like a, a primer for uh, uh, beginning and intermediate uh, irrigation uh, maintenance. So uh, I thought it was fabulous. Uh, and as always, I, uh, I always learn from you. So uh, thank you very much for taking us through this. Uh, we'll definitely be sending the recording out to everybody who attended today or signed up. You'll get that. Uh, and you can see all our trainings uh, at uh, janesusa.com forward slash trainings or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Now, next week, we're getting a little bit away from irrigation, but still in the landscape. And one thing I'm just fascinated with are these autonomous lawnmowers. And uh, we have them now for commercial and residential accounts. So we've got a gentleman, Ben, from uh, Yellowstone Landscaping, who's going to join us and really talk about how to use uh, the, and the value of the use of these uh, autonomous lawnmowers, uh, especially in the uh, landscape contractors world. So that should be fun next week. Danny, thanks again for coming out. Uh, we, we always enjoy uh, your knowledge and your help and uh, uh, love the instruction. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So again, thanks everybody. Uh, try to stay cool this weekend and uh, we'll see you back here next Wednesday. Thanks again.